This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is hit well in a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run. At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Yeah, I'm Trent. What's going on? Glad you're here for the Angels Recap Podcast. You're a part of Halo's Hot Stove that we do in the offseason on Angels Radio AM830 KLAA. Oh my gosh, what a show we got for you. Not only are we going to talk to a baseball legend, an icon of the sport, Dusty Baker, coming up at the end of the program. There's a lot to discuss right now. We're going to get in depth about the Angels' bullpen. There are, there's a lot I want to talk about there. The Angels have officially signed Cody Allen. Uh, when we when the show aired on Friday night of last week, it was not official yet, but we kind of knew it was going to happen. Uh, but now it's official. Cody Allen joins the Halos for a reported one-year $8 million, uh, $8.5 million, with potentially uh, another $2 million in incentives. It, it's an awesome deal. And I'm going to explain why, because I know there are a lot of uh, critics out there, a lot of people that are very skeptical about this signing and Billy Epler's plan this offseason. I'm going to get into that a little bit later on in this show. But first, we got to start with Andrew Keeney, who was the Nick Adenhart Award winner last year for the best Angels pitcher on the staff as voted on by his peers. And we talk about that. We talk about coming off of injuries. We talk about what is an ace we talk about, can Andrew Heaney be an ace? And I think that you're going to like what he has to say about his mentality, what he wants to accomplish this season, and putting the past behind him. It, it was an incredible conversation. We got a chance to have him for a long time. Uh, really, really enjoyed this one. I, I got to tell you, all the guests we have had here on the Halo Hot Stove uh, Show and Angels Recap Podcast have just been off the charts. I've absolutely loved getting to spend some time talk with these guys. Uh, next week's going to be a great show as well. We've already I already taped an interview with Tommy Listella. So we're going to have that interview on next week's show and I'm working on somebody else. As soon as that gets official, go follow me on Twitter at Trent Rush Sports. If you follow me on Twitter, uh, I'll post it there so you guys are aware of everything that's going on. Uh, we, we have a bunch of really great shows coming up. Uh, also, I want to make sure that you guys get out to a, a really cool event that we do every year, Angels Moving Day. It's coming up Saturday, January 26th. I'm going to be there starting at 9 o'clock, so I would imagine you probably want to get there uh, even sooner than that. That's kind of when the party gets going. I think the official hours are from 10 to 2, but people like to get there way early for this. There's going to be 
awesome guest as always. Uh, I saw on Twitter Keenan Milton put it out there that he's going to be at that event as well. So at the very least, uh, you come see me, come see Key. Um, I know you're, a lot more of you are going to want to hang with Keenan Middleton than myself, and that's okay. I take no offense. I understand. Uh, but if you're there, come say hello. But uh, let's get to this Andrew Keeney interview because I think you're really going to like this one. So without further ado, here is Angels starting pitcher Andrew Heaney. Joining us now from Oklahoma, we got Andrew Heaney on the line. You are in Oklahoma right now, aren't you? Isn't that where you spend your off seasons? It's raining and forty three, so I think I think I'm in Oklahoma, especially <laughs> if it's sixty five and sunny tomorrow. So yeah, uh, yeah, know, heading out to Arizona next week. Eventually, you're going to have to follow like half the team and just go to Arizona, get that done already. <laughs> you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to talk to my wife about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Oklahoma State won their bowl game. That was a big deal, right? Yeah, that was that was a good win for them. Uh, they're a good team, man. They've just been kind of up and down. They've beaten a lot of good teams and lost to some bad ones. So, you know, Missouri was a pretty good team playing well at the end of the year. So that, that was a good win for them. I know there's that other team in the state. I'm sure it didn't hurt you watching them go down on uh, New Year's, uh, one of those bowl games for the playoff. I'm sure you didn't mind that. You know what's funny? Like, I, I don't actively root against Oklahoma. I really don't. You know, when they're playing Oklahoma State, I'm definitely not rooting for them. But other than that, man, like, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to root for my state. A lot of those guys were, were born and raised in Oklahoma. And, you know, some of them, you know, back when I went to Oklahoma State, I knew some of those guys. So, you know, it's kind of, I find it hard to root against them. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> that, 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 that's all love, man. Like, out here in Southern California, like, people ask me, oh, are you an SC or UCLA guy? And I'm not really either. I mean, I kind of, I want both to do well, but I didn't go to one of those schools. It may be a little bit different yeah. uh, for you. Hey, what is the, uh, what's the offseason like? What, what are you up to these days? Man, I'm working out every day uh, in the morning, throwing, uh, and just kind of, kind of hanging out. Um, just been uh, it's been good man we're back home like you said in oklahoma got friends and family here uh spend the holidays here so it's, it's been great when do you start throwing uh i mean this year i kind of i'm doing a little bit different i started throwing a little bit lighter earlier um just kind of tossing um three days a week uh, i guess it would have been starting in november just kind of moving the arm around and then really kind of start getting going uh every day in december um, and then, you know, once, once the calendar rolls over, start kind of, uh, putting something behind it. I mean, you probably don't know what it's like to have a normal off season. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is supposed to be a normal off season. It probably not for you. Uh, but uh, yeah. how has that been? And it's good. It's really good. Um, I love our training staff. I love how hard those guys work, but it's pretty nice to not have to see their faces for a little while and be at <laughs> home, you know, uh. Those, those guys are awesome, but you know, it's, it, like you said, it's, it's almost like I don't know what a normal season, off season, consists of. You know, I haven't really had one in a while, so uh, just trying to tweak some things, trying always trying to improve and and doing what I can to, to be healthy and go out there and take the ball every five or six days. Andrew, I remember that conversation we had. I think it was towards the end of uh, end of July last year, and we were talking about your journey to just getting back and uh, obviously you had such a great season last year and we've talked a lot about your recovery and the job that you have done there but um, maybe you can maybe you wouldn't mind retelling the story on the air about 
when you found out when you you suffered that injury uh, back was it the 2016 season and, and had to try to find a way back and had that date in mind that you knew you had to get back. Maybe you can walk us through uh, what that was like for you and, and just being driven on like having that time set for when you knew you wanted to be back on the field. Yeah, I mean, obviously it took me a little while to kind of come to grips um, with the fact that I needed to have Tommy John. And then once I did, you know, I had told myself that, hey, August 15th is going to be my day. That was 13 and a half months. Um, I wanted to try and get back in 13. Uh, Our doctors and our medical staff were kind of hoping to get, you know, closer to 14. Um, So we kind of agreed at 13 and a half, and that was August 15th. And I just kept telling myself, um, that's the day that I'm going to get back. I kept telling myself that every day. Um, even when I had setbacks early, um, even when I had, you know, some struggles and some rehab games, even when, you know, like no matter what it was, like I just kept telling myself, like, keep working towards August 15th. Um, and I actually, I, I got the, um, call from them and was on a flight out to, uh, Washington. We were in a, we were in a two game series in Washington. Um, on August 15th to rejoin the big league team. And then I think I, I came back and maybe, I don't know if it was the 16th or 17th, but it was, it was one of the next days. So, um, just for me, it was, it was such a, a triumph of mental fortitude. I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I conquered the world. There's been plenty of guys that have come back from Tommy John, but every case is different, man. There's nothing guaranteed. And for me, um, you know, it's me and my career and my body, and I wanted to do everything I could to get back to what I was at and uh, get back to competing. Yeah, it was big how you did that. And then to bounce back and have the year that you had, uh, this 2018 season. I, I mean, to be the Angels, the, the Nick Aidenhart pitcher of the year. Man, what's that mean for you to, to receive that honor and be the best pitcher on the staff and get that recognition uh, by your peers and coaches? It means a lot. It really does. Um you know, like you said, to have it come from your teammates, that means the guys that are watching you come in every single day and work, uh, the guys that you're friends with, the guy that you, li- you know, you've lived with, you've, you've been around for, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours a day, yeah. um, that they have that mutual respect, uh, for you. Like that means a lot to me. That, that's a sign that, um, that you know hopefully i'm carrying myself the right way both on and off the field and that's something that you know if, at the end of the day like that's you know I, I love i love competing i would love to be considered a great pitcher you know when i retire but as long as as long as i know that i i did my best to be a great teammate uh, on and off the field then um that that means more to me dude i'm just remembering back to like the start of last season when everybody is like, oh, the you know, look, the Angels staff is healthy and everyone's ready to go. Oh, but Andrew Heaney is not going to be ready to start on opening day um, and not ready to go for there. You end up making 30 starts last year, and and it was yeah. it was consistency. Like, how big was that for you to not just be able to be out there every day, but when you were out, I mean, you ended up you know pitching 180 innings last year. Like, that's that's a really significant yeah. number in today's game. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously I had the little flexor strain early in spring or at the end of spring, early in the season. Um, yeah, I think if it, the timing of it, I think if it would have been, you know, middle of the season, it would have been something I probably would have pushed through. But, you know, to start the year coming off Tommy John, I think everybody wanted to be safe and cautious. And, um, you know, ultimately, luckily, it only made me miss, you know, I think it was two weeks, a uh, week or two weeks. But, um, yeah, man, like I, I think I'm at a point now where, like, 
I don't want to speak for everybody, but I'm tired. I'm tired of hearing about our injury problems. I'm tired about how hearing how everything goes sideways. I'm tired. Like it's just old news, man. Like I'm tired of it. And like, I think that's an attitude that I want to bring in the spring and, you know, I'm going to bring it myself and I hope it rubs off on other people, but like nobody feels sorry for it. Right. Like nobody's going to take it easy on us because we've had injuries or because we've been unlucky or because we've whatever, like, you know, like I'm trying to watch my language. That, no, I you know, you. that's that. Uh, we're we're that's taped, other, so we can edit if you need to. Yeah, perfect. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, like I, I think I don't want to speak for everybody, but that's how I feel. And I, I'm ready to push through uh, that stigma about our team. You know, we've had some unfortunate come up. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but that should be no excuse for us moving forward. That's, it's in the past for most of us. And from here on out, like, I don't, you know, I don't want to talk about it. I want to talk about moving forward and the changes that we're having as a staff, as a team. Um, and I'm excited for that. And that's what I want to put my focus and my attention and all my hard work towards. You're 27 now. And by the way, just as somebody that is on the peripheral watching you guys, man, that fires me up hearing you say that kind of stuff because I think that's what yeah. it's about. And for you, do you feel like you've been around long enough? Do you feel like now you can have that leadership role on this staff with these pitchers? Man, I, you know, like I'm not a, I'm not a big vocal guy. I mean, you watch me pitch. I, I try and right. look like I'm sleepwalking through games. That's like <laughs> I, I got to keep myself focused. That's how I operate. But I hope that 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 focus and that intensity. Um, rubs off and 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 i'm always i'm always here for anybody that wants to talk with me about baseball talk with me about the mentality uh game planning strategy whatever it may be like i'm all about that i love the sport i love playing it i love competing i love every aspect of that and um you know like i don't think it needs to be like spoken i'm not going to sit here and call myself a leader or call myself i'm definitely not a veteran i'm not going to say that um you know, but I definitely I want to call myself a competitor, and I want to say I go out there every single day, giving it the best uh, I can for us to win a ball game. Um, even if I'm not playing, whatever I'm doing, I want to I want to do it the best. Um, and so I just I hope that rubs off, and and I, I think that that's something that can set a tone. Certainly, um, especially on days that I pitch, that's what I try and do. All that being said, there's an opportunity. I mean, you're going to be one of the candidates to be the opening day starter this year. Does that mean anything to you? Hell yeah, it means something to me. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, that's an honor. I, I, it would be amazing if it happened that way. I'm going to do everything in my power to make it happen. Um, but the, at the end of the day, we may we may match up day, day one. We may have an opener. Hell if I know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the plan is, but my goal is to be healthy uh, physically, mentally prepared to go out there from day one, even whether I'm taking the ball or whether I'm watching somebody else take the ball. Um, that's where my mindset's at. And, uh, you know, it would be an absolute honor, no doubt. Um, I would love to have a brick out in front of the big A. You know, I, I, I think that that's something that, that, you know, any guy that puts on the uniform uh, wants to have. But, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just here to try and get better uh, every day. And if it happens, it happens. It's going to be fun to watch the competition 
in spring this year, especially there's a lot of guys like there's like especially yeah. now with, with with Trevor coming in and Matt Harvey added to the mix and and I know that uh, you know Garrett's gone, but there's still with the season that Tyler Skaggs had at moments last year, it's gonna be a battle for that. And um, yeah, wh- what do you make of uh, the relationship with those guys? I, I'm sure you're probably not that close with, with Trevor and uh, Matt just yet, but you know knowing that that's what the competition's gonna be like, and there's a lot of you that all want that role. Yeah, competition is healthy. Uh, competition is good for any team. Um, you know, especially for a team like us where we don't really have an ace of the staff. We don't have, you know, that lead guy kind of like setting the tone. Like it's, it is a collective group effort. And I think that that sometimes can almost bring you guys, you know, bring guys closer together. Mm. Um, because you know that you have to, uh, lean on each other and work as a cohesive unit. Even though you all, you never play on the same day, you never pitch on the same day. There is a unity to being a starting staff, and you know you can get streaky, good or bad. Starting mm-hmm. staffs can get really streaky, um, and we, you know we hope to uh, to come out there as, as a unit and and be streaky in a good way and put together you know solid quality starts. Um, every night out there and give our team a chance to win. Hey, I'm kind of curious because I have this debate with like my friends all the time and just people around the game. How would you define yeah. what an ace is? For me, I think an ace is a guy that no matter what team he's on, he would be the guy when you need – when your bullpen's worn thin, he'll give you eight strong. Um, when you have a playoff game, an elimination game, you want the ball in his hand. When you see a guy like, you know, like Chris Sale, when, uh, you know, when you got to get the last out of a game to win the World Series, he gets the ball. Like, I, th- I think that that's what, um, that's what it takes to be that guy. And I don't think it's always, uh, I don't think it's always evident on the field. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is what happens in the clubhouse too. And so that's why, you know, there's a lot of guys that are probably aces of staff that you would never think of, but just night in and night out, they're going in and doing their job and setting a tone and being there for their teammates. And I think that that's something it's not really quantifiable. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's a good debate. You got a new catcher this year, and I know that yeah. you had uh, Maldi the last couple of years. Uh, great catcher, did such a good job for you guys. But I want to know what goes into that game plan and that strategy and how much time do you spend with a catcher? Like, how significant is that position for you when you're getting set to get ready for a game and putting your approach together? Like, what is the relationship like with the catcher in that sense? Well, man, I mean, it, it's um, you have to be able to communicate non-verbally. Um, you have to be able to understand kind of what each – what each other is thinking, what, what each other is seeing, um, and being able to understand and trust what, what your catcher is seeing and what you're seeing may not always jive up and that you, you've got to trust that when they put something down and maybe they put it, you shake off and they put it down again, that you're like, okay, like they re- that's what they want. And I'm going to trust them. And then you go out there and you execute your pitch. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of facets to the game that are so minute. Um, it can really change, you know, change the course of a game. Uh, just one one pitch, one 
one non-committal uh, pitch. You know, if you're not committed on the mound and you don't trust your catcher, um, you may end up throwing a pitch without conviction. And uh, when you have a guy behind the plate that gives you that confidence to, to throw it, um, it's it's huge. And so with a guy like Luke Croy coming in and Kevin Smith, I mean, the guys that we got coming in, um, it's going to be – we're going to have to be a quick learning process. You know, we have spring training to for them to understand what we do well, what we want to do, what we see, what they see, and maybe have them tell us things that they see from when they played against you. know, I've pitched against Luke Croy. He may say, hey, man, when you do this, like, it's tough to beat. Um, things like that where it's just an open open dialogue and, and the ability to communicate and trust one another. Considering the season you had last year, and, you know, I know we, we've talked forever about the injuries, and I don't want to talk about it. Considering everything you had gone through, and then to have the year you had last year, what does that do for you from a conference perspective? Now coming into, you know, you're going to be 27, start of the year, coming into this season, um, where you're at in that respect. Like, how much, how much does having that season, of having a great year last year, affect you now coming into this season? I mean, not much, honestly. Like, I, I, I feel confident in who I am and what I do, and that I can get out, and that I, I definitely have room to improve. Um, we've got a new staff that uh, that's got some different ideas that I'm excited to get in there and get to work on, um, and in trying to improve myself and improve my game. Um, I think I've proven, even though it hasn't been very much or very long, when I have had a stretch of a season where I've been healthy and been able to take the ball every fifth or sixth day i think i've had a lot of success um and i think like we said we don't want to talk about the injuries but you can talk to any of those guys that have kind of been on and off and on and off the field it's really hard to get into a rhythm and get into a groove and really know who you are and what makes you pick and what makes you good when you're you're not getting that longevity of just staying healthy and being able to being able to put two or three good games together and then have a bad game and be able to bounce back, you know, and, and understand what gets you back on track. Um, so for me, it's just that confidence of, you know, knowing who I am and that there's always room to improve and, and get better. I was talking with Brad Osmus out in Vegas at the winter meetings, and, and your name comes up, and, and we're talking about you and, and also with Tyler, and he's saying things like he expects you guys to be elite left-handed pitchers because he thinks your stuff is that good um, considering he's a former catcher and what he knows about this game what do you what do you make of when your manager is saying those kind of things and then saying them in the press too in that big press conference talking about how he really considers you guys to be you know premier uh, left-handed arms that you know could have really big seasons down the road what, what do you make of that I love it I love it I want to I want a manager that has that confidence in me that believes in me like that um especially a former catcher, a guy that knows, um, you know, good left-handed pitching. And when you look at what Skaggs was doing the first half of the year, like he was probably one spot away from being an all-star. Um, you know, one of those guys dropped out. I think he's the next one in. Uh, unfortunately, he had some stuff happen at, you know, second half of the year, kind of derailed him. But, you know, if he puts that together for the course of the season, I mean, that's a hell of a year. And um, we all know what he's capable of. He's a great pitcher. Um and I feel the same way about myself. I think, uh, I think I my my strengths are bringing a, a steady, uh, you know, a steady approach and a steady consistency, uh, day in and day out to, to the games that I pitch. 
Um, and obviously I'll, I'll take the great ones when they come. And when the bad ones come, I'll, I'll fight them off and I'll, I'll take the ball the next fifth, fifth or sixth day. Um, so I'm, I'm ready to step up and I love that. I love that challenge. I think that, you know, you gotta, sometimes you gotta put the pressure on yourself. Sometimes you need other people to put that pressure on you. And I love it. Um, I'm a competitor and I'm going to take that, uh, and run with it. Andrew, I don't love talking about money stuff, but I'm going to ask you a question here. If you don't want to answer it, you don't have to. Um, obviously, we, we, the deal you signed a couple of years ago was almost like an advance, right, uh, on your career, betting on yourself in, in, in some ways. And um, What would you say, do you think that, and by, congratulations on uh, avoiding arbitration today also, <laughs> uh, but uh, that, that's a nice little bump, so good for you. Do you feel like that's affected you in any way as a pitcher? No, no, I don't think about that. Um, you know, from the business side of things, I think it was the right move for me, uh, my family. Um, some people agree with it. Some people hated it. That's fine. I did what I thought was best for me and my family, and um, I think anything you can do to bring a little bit of security and let you just focus on, um, you know, your mind, your body, your craft, and to go out there and compete at a high level, I think that that's something that you should do. Um, and for me, it worked. So I, I have no regrets about it, for sure. Uh, and I think uh, I don't think it was a negative. Um, I don't think it was negative in my career or my personal life. So I'm I'm very happy with it. That's good for you, man. I, I, I was I'm happy for you. Um, you. Also. I was talking with like Zach Cozart about this on on our last show, and we were talking about how like just important comfortability is, and like for him, like he had a really hard time start of the year, like getting comfortable, and then he gets hurt, so he's like still trying to find that. I'm just somebody that I mean, I don't, I don't, I've never played the game, certainly not at this level, uh, to try to understand what it takes as a major leaguer every day. I, I would assume whatever you can do to feel more comfortable is for the best. Am I right in that thinking? I think I think that's fair in any facet of life, you know. I mean, at your job, you want to be comfortable and confident. You want your you want your boss to to believe in you and and empower you. I think uh, you want to feel. I mean, everybody wants to feel good, feel healthy. That's obviously key. And and uh, you know, sometimes it just takes a little while when you're when you're put in a new system, a new position, a new environment. Um, all those things. It, some guys can assimilate really quickly some guys it takes them a little bit longer so um i think uh i think we've got a great clubhouse that is extremely welcoming to new guys um with all different types of personalities backgrounds um and i think that that's something that we hope makes newcomers um feel comfortable whether it be rookies free agents trades whatever it is um that comfort is is huge and then you know let let the chips fall where they do you know Sure. Uh, I know we've kept you for a while, but just a couple more questions for me. Yeah. Look, you 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 do a really good job out in the community. I mean, you dedicate a lot of time, and, and people take notice of that. Nominated last year for the Clemente Award uh, for the time you spent in your community. Uh, what drives you to be so involved uh, with others and always wanting to give back and, and you know doing things really above and beyond what a lot of major league players do? Yeah, I mean... I appreciate you saying that. It's funny. I, I think I, I do the right amount. You know, like I'm blessed to, to have the opportunity to play professional baseball, um, to make 
an extremely good living um, and to help people when I can. And I would say that I would hope that I don't do all that much more than a lot of other guys, especially not on our team. I know we have a ton of guys that are very active in the community. Um, so, you know, that's something that that I've always, um, you know, I've always just felt that that's something that I should do. It's not a, it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. No, it I feels get like something that, that I, that I should do, that I should be doing and, and that I should focus my attention on. I mean, that's, and that's great that you do that too. Um, so you're going to Arizona in a week. Um, so what do you, what do you, and that's like a month before pitchers and catchers even reports. Like what goes on in that time? Like, are, are you just going to go like hit up top golf and just like, you know, just play <laughs> golf all the time and, and figure that out? I can't imagine, right? You're trying to work. No, uh, I love uh, Ryan Croton, uh, one of our strength coaches. Uh, I think he got promoted. I don't know what his official title is now, but he was uh, he's an extremely intelligent guy that was working with our minor leaguers and would come come up to the big leagues. He's down there. He's full-time in Arizona training guys at the facility. Um, Lee Fioki, our, our strength coach at the big league level, is going to be there at that point. Um, and I want to work with those guys. I want them to uh, – I want to – be training with the best i'm gonna be working with the best and and i really believe that they are uh obviously the weather is much better than it is now here like i said it's 40 and raining and (laughs) not really conducive to uh throwing outside um so for me i just want to get there early i want to hit the ground running uh i hope that uh i hope we have some catchers that come in early and and start getting a head start on on uh, spring training um, with those guys and allowing allowing them to catch me, allowing me to throw them to, uh, you know, get uh, get that relationship formed. And, you know, I, I just, uh, yeah, I'll play some golf too, but uh, I'm ready to I'm ready to hit the ground running. I'm excited for the season. All right. Well, I'm still figuring out my schedule. I know I'm going to be out there. I just don't know what date. So uh, I'll try to I'll, – I'll let you know so you can save me some room and a foursome maybe and uh, get on get out there. Yeah, we'll go play golf. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I love it. Hey, Andrew, thanks for coming on the show, man. I, I sincerely appreciate it. Uh, I'm fired up about a lot of the things that you said here, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing you and seeing this team have a great 2019. Thanks, Trent. appreciate it. That was big time. Andrew Heaney was so good. I tell you this, I'm impressed every time I get a chance to talk with Andrew Heaney. And I was just, especially the stuff about wanting to be the opening day starter and the things he was talking about saying, hey, forget the injuries. We don't want to talk about it anymore. No one's making excuses or no one's feeling sorry for us. No making excuses. It's time to move on. That was awesome stuff to hear from Andrew Heaney. That's the kind of thing that fires me up uh, about what this Angels team can be. And, and those are the kind of leaders that you need. And I'm intrigued by this starting rotation. And like what Andrew Heaney says, there isn't really a true ace on this staff. But there are a lot of guys that can compete. And with the additions of Trevor Cahill and Matt Harvey, I really feel like the Angels are going to go into every series this year feeling like they're going to have an opportunity to at least win two games. And we can't, we could not say that last year. There were many series we went into last year saying, I don't know how we're even going to win one. And that I don't think is going to be the case in 2019. Another thing, too, is I think the Angels are going to have a top 10 bullpen in Major League Baseball. Now, 
They signed Cody Allen, uh, reported one year, eight and a half million dollar deal, plus up to another two year, two million dollars in incentives. Again, it's a one year contract. The one year contracts are really interesting, and we're seeing a lot of one year deals. Harvey's on a one year deal. Kale's on a one year deal. Luke Roy is on a one year deal. Bohr is on a one year deal. Now you got Cody Allen on a one year deal. And the interesting part of this is that it gives you flexibility for the future, too. Like, I know a lot of people are talking about this 2019 free agent class and the people that are in it, you know, the the Manny Machados and the Bryce Harpers and what they could be and still trying to figure out where those deals are going. You know who's a big name next year and next offseason? Nolan Arnauto, the star for the Rockies, who is from Orange County. Like, that's an interesting name that you don't hear talked a whole lot about, but um, as being a free agent because everyone's all caught up in, in Machado and Harper right now. But that's a big one that's sitting out there next year, and I'm not saying the Angels are going to make a play there, uh, but I, I am intrigued uh, by that name. Uh, why wouldn't you be? And the Angels are, are keeping things flexible, keeping things open. Imagine that you, know, you want to make sure you get that long-term deal with Mike Trout. When Trout's contract is up – Angleton Simmons' contract is up that same year. So you don't want to be tied down in a lot of big contracts here. So you like having these one-year deals. Plus, if you think about it, if if one of these guys hits and you're unable to re-sign them, like you could potentially get a draft pick back uh, in is a compensatory pick uh, in the upcoming draft is something that I know that this Angels front office values. So when you think about that kind of stuff, you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, this can this can make quite a bit of sense. So that would be something uh, just to keep in mind uh, when you're seeing a lot of these one-year deals happening. But but primarily, it's about having that flexibility, and the Angels have that. So that's why I like that this is a one-year deal. What I really like though is what Cody Allen brings to a really young staff. Okay, he's 30 years old. Last year was not a great season for Cody Allen. 4.70 ERA, his save percentage was only 84.4. He had five blown saves last year, and if you look at the numbers in those five blown saves, uh, that's when he was really bad. His bad starts were really bad, or excuse me, his bad outings were really bad, uh, and then he was really good a lot of times too. 27 saves last year. He had at least 30 saves in each of the previous three seasons before that where he was really dominant, and he's always had you know an ERA around three and he's been a very effective closer. Now, here's the deal. The Angels, if you were going to sign a Blake Trinan, an Aroldis Chapman, uh, a Kimbrell, um, a Diaz, if you're going to get one of those guys, I mean, you're talking about a $20 million player. Like, that's just the reality of the market right now. So instead of spending, or, or you're looking at a really long contract. So instead of going and, and trying to you know spend 18 to $20 million for one of those, you get basically half of that for the guy that might be the next best closer in that second tier of top closers. Like, for me, you could make the case that Cody Allen last year, even though everyone's saying it was a down year and, oh, the fastball velo is down and all this, Cody Allen still had the fifth most saves in baseball last year. And there were only four only those four names I mentioned before in, you know, in Diaz, Trinan, Kimbrell, and Araldis Chapman, those four are the only guys that, that had better closer numbers last year than Cody Allen. The other part of this, too, is even considering that maybe he was trending, he's trending the wrong way, and you don't like that. One, it's a relative discount considering what you'd pay for one of those top four guys. But for the Angels to be able to have a closer that has the experience of closing out games on a staff that is really young, and a lot of guys that have showed flashes, right? I'm thinking about Justin Anderson, Ty Buttry, 
Hansel Robles has had those moments last year. Your Williams Harris is a guy, a lefty that throws 97-98. I think he's going to be able to compete for a job in the in the bullpen uh, in spring. And then you figure that you're getting Keenan Middleton back. The one concern I had about the Angels' bullpen is while I believe in a lot of these guys, and while I love the competition, and while I love the fact that they're all pushing each other and there is an opportunity for them to be really, really good, it almost seems like they were kind of a year away in the sense that everyone had to slide up probably one notch above where they should be at this point. By having a guy in Cody Allen, you now anchor down that bullpen. And now when you get Keenan Middleton back, you, you make if Keenan is your eighth inning guy through the rest of, you know, for the second half of the season, and then he takes that closer role in 2020, man, you're feeling a lot better about that right now. You know, a guy like a Justin Anderson or a Ty Buttrey in that eight, seventh or eighth inning role. Like, that's a lot better than your eighth and ninth inning guys because you have that lockdown closer. I mean, again, is Cody Allen, you know, automatic? No, he he is not anymore. He was for a little bit when he was with Cleveland. He's not automatic anymore. But, boy, is he a great piece to have. He's a huge upgrade in that sense. And the other reason why I say the Angels could have a top-ten bullpen is, yes, I believe in all these young guys that I think are trending up, I think have great upside in a year of maturity and growth, Started last year and now coming into 2019, I think that's going to be really important. You upgrade your anchor in getting Cody Allen. But on top of that, the Angels did have the 13th best bullpen ERA last year. Like, you look at all the numbers, all the metrics, the Angels had a middle-of-the-pack bullpen last year. I know Angels fans like to freak out about the blown saves. And yes, there were far too many blown saves last year, and, and those are killers. But when you look at the staff as a whole, there were moments last year where you thought, actually, these guys are pretty good. And considering that Angels starters provided the least amount of support of any team in baseball to their bullpen, I think the Angels p- pitching, the Angels bullpen actually exceeded expectations for me. They actually, to me, were a little bit better than what some of those numbers show because they were put in so many stressful situations and had to work so many gosh darn innings. Like, Tampa was the only team that had fewer starter innings, and they were using an opener for basically the whole season. So when you put all that into perspective, I think the Angels' bullpen took strides last year. I think they got better. They got younger. I I think Luis Garcia is an interesting guy that the Angels got in that trade with uh, the Phillies that sent Jose Alvarez back east. And, And the thing about Jose Alvarez, too, as great as he has been the last three years really for the Angels, There was a lot of mileage on that left arm of Jose Alvarez, and he was great at times for the Angels. There were moments where even last year I thought maybe he was the Angels' best pitcher at times, but a lot of mileage. He got worked a ton, so the Angels bring in a guy that doesn't quite have uh, that same mileage on his arm, and and you look at guys like Noe Ramirez who can be a long-inning guy for you that when he came up, he was so good. And towards the end of the season, he worked so much, he just wasn't quite as effective in the second half. Cam Bedrosian was really streaky last year. He had moments where he was actually pretty good. Obviously, he had bad moments, too. Maybe when you take some pressure off of Cam Bedrosian, by having all these other pieces and by having that closer set, you're not as worried about it. Let me read you a couple numbers here on Halo Hot Stove. All right, so Cody Allen, 27 saves last season. If you take the entire Angels bullpen, everybody that's on the 40-man right now for the 2019 season, and you added up all of their career saves, excluding Keenan Middleton, who's not going to be healthy until June, July. 
27 for Cody Allen. The rest of the team, everybody else, 26 in their careers. And Cam Bedrosian has the most with eight. Luis Garcia's next with five. Anderson Buttry each half four. Robles is three in his career. Felix Pena has one. Noe Ramirez another. 26. And then Keenan Middleton has nine in his career. So Keenan Middleton's career save number is one-third of what Cody Allen did last year. I'm not doubting Keenan Middleton. I really like Keenan Middleton. I think he's going to be great for the Angels. But if Cody Allen can be that stopgap and provide leadership to this bullpen, a young bullpen of guys that have so much talent but maybe thrust into positions they're just not quite ready for yet by having Cody Allen, that sets up this bullpen so much better. It is significant. I, I get it. There are concerns about Cody Allen. But I also know the value of veteran as an anchor to that bullpen can be, and that's why I'm so excited about this deal. And the price for him, too, it's outstanding, uh, the job Billy Epler has done in this regard. Okay, I got to tell you about my dinner the other night that I had over at the Cannery in Newport Beach. By the way, if you have not been to the Cannery yet, first of all, what is wrong with you? Secondly, when you get there, not only is the food amazing, not only are the views spectacular. I mean, it's right there on Lido. You're overlooking the ocean. It's awesome. They have a museum there that is nuts. Some of the greatest baseball memorabilia, and especially for Angels fans. I mean, there is a ton of great Angels memorabilia there, but all kinds of baseball stuff. You got to go check it out. Just cool, signed, historic items. I mean, I mean it is one of... I think it might be my favorite uh, collection of baseball memorabilia that I have seen in Orange County. I think in Orange County, it's my favorite collection I have seen. Go check it out at the cannery. It's off the charts. You're going to absolutely love it. But when I was having dinner there the other night, it was part of the Hot Stove League dinner series that they do once a month in the offseason. They've had three already. Uh, Joe Maddens at the last one. And then at this particular one, it was Dusty Baker. And I get seated at the table. And I don't know how this happened. I don't know the way this worked out was insane. I had nothing to do with this. I, I simply was uh, waved over and there was an empty seat. And I ended up sitting in between Dusty Baker, who was to my right, and Tommy Davis, who was to my left. And the conversation was incredible. We had such a good time uh, talking about so much. And I, I learned so much that night, not just about baseball, but about life and what, you know, baseball, what, what it was like for uh, an African American baseball player in the 60s, in the South. I mean, in the fact that Dusty Baker was on deck when Hank Aaron hit 715. And Dusty talked about that night. And Tommy Davis and his relationship with Jackie Robinson. I feel like I'm a much better person for having gotten to experience the stories that they told um, through hearing them and being to hear them from those guys. It was incredible, a night I'll never forget uh, as long as I live. Uh, but we also had a chance to talk with Dusty Baker on the air and it was before dinner so unfortunately I don't have any of the really really great stories for you but still cool stuff from Dusty Baker uh, he talked about 2002 in that World Series even though he kind of shut me down quick on that I, okay I'm, I'm gonna stop blowing the interview for you here's one of the great minds in the history of this game a great player as well with the Dodgers and of course uh, Giants manager for a long time Nationals manager as well here now Dusty Baker Dusty, we had Joe Madden here last time we were at the cannery getting a chance to hang out. and I know he was on one bench in that 2002 World Series, and obviously you were on another, and everything that you were able to uh, 
uh, be a part of in that what for Angels fans was an incredibly thrilling experience. But for you now to be back in Southern California, like what do you enjoy about being back here now? And what do you remember about that time? Not much about that time, but I'm actually, you know, close to where I was born. You know, that's what that's what I think about. I mean, I, I was uh, born in Riverside, California, right up the road. And uh, so, uh, uh, you know, I don't think much about that because we didn't win. <laughs> and uh, but, you know, I'm sure the Angel fans are out there thinking about it. And uh, man, that was I mean, that was tough. That, that's that was really tough to swallow. But, you know, if I was going to lose, I, 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 you want to lose to a friend, Mike Sosha, because Mike Sosha is like one of my one of my closest buddies in the world. You know, whenever I would lose a job as a manager, the first calls that I got were from Mike Sosha and uh, from Bruce Bochy. And, uh, <clears throat> and then and then probably Buddy Black right after that. So see, all these guys either played with me, for me, or were, you know, were great friends. And on top of that, all great men and great baseball men. What are some of those conversations like? Like, what, what, what would you guys discuss? Well, first day they're like, man, what happened, man? You just had a great year. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just sort of makes everybody else a little apprehensive, a little more apprehensive about their job security. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when they see you doing good and in, 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 in losing jobs or either, you know, Blackie did the best he could in, 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 um, in uh, San Diego. I was glad he got another shot. So, you know, I mean, it's a very small fraternity. And... Uh, you know, most of the guys genuinely, I, I repeat, most of the guys genuinely like each other. Yeah. It's just that we realize the, you know, what competition is all about. And uh, you, and you try to, yep. you know, before the game, I'm try to beat your brains out. And then after the game, then we can go have a drink. There's a lot of changes happening in baseball now. And obviously that human connection, what you're just talking about, that mm-hmm. kind of competition. Uh, is that something that you would like to see more of maybe in this group now? Like, well, from your time? I, I don't, I'd like to see it, but, you know, you know, the present regime is going to have to fail before they go back to the human element and uh, of, of, of just dealing with people and realizing that it's a people game. I mean, I love uh, stats. I love some of the sabermetrics, but I don't love the fact that, uh, you know, you're taking some of the human element out of it, some of the things that you, the intangibles that you can't explain, uh, but you feel. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I got a feel it's going to come full circle, and, and, and you need the combination of both because, see, sabermetrics or whatever you may call it, that's been around for, I mean, forever, just didn't have a name on it. Yeah. And, you know, we had pitcher-batter matchups. We had uh, first-batter efficiency out of the bullpen. We had, uh, you know, who hits with uh, 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 runners on base, uh, who hits in the double plays with runners on base. I mean, we had all that. Uh, uh, we just didn't have a name for it. So, you know, I like to – because there's a lot of great minds being lost now, you know, a lot of great experience because there's, there, there's no substitute for experience. But there's also, uh, uh, you know, a spot for, you know, for the numbers as well, because I'm a numbers guy, you know what I mean? And uh, but uh, what I am more than anything is a combination guy yeah. and, and a baseball man. And that's the important thing. Does he thank you so much? I appreciate it. All right. You're welcome. I got to admit, it was pretty cool getting a chance to spend some time with Dusty Baker. Thanks again to Dusty for giving us a little bit of his time to. Uh, have that conversation and be able to share that uh, here. I guess I, I probably should apologize to him for starting off on a bad note by bringing up that 2002 World Series right away. Clearly, uh, that still pains him. By the way, 
If you see me in person, and you can do that coming up on January 26th, like I mentioned at the top of the program, Angels moving day. It's going to be Oz with Big A from 10 to 2. I'm going to be there at 9, so just come up there, find me. Uh, you can talk to me. Uh, you can ask me about where we did that interview and the backstory behind it. It's a, it's a funny story. I don't want to share it here, but um, if you find me, I'll tell you. It's pretty good, so just ask me about that. Um, that's that's the beauty of uh, some of this stuff. Some of the some of the backstories behind the interviews are are generally way better than the interviews themselves. So just find me, and I'll tell you. I just, I just don't – this is not the place for me to share that. Um, a couple of other things I'd like to share here on the Halos Hot Stove Angels Recap Podcast. Um, tough week for the Angels family in the passing of Eli Gerba last week. Uh, Eli Gerba was the first ever Angel. He was the first pick of the expansion draft back in 1960, um, 84 years old when Eli Gerba passed away. We're see- certainly keeping the Gerba family in our thoughts and prayers. He threw out the first pitch as recently as 2011 here at Angel Stadium and an iconic figure in this organization's history. Another uh, important person to Angels baseball, Susan Weiss, is retiring after 55 years in the ticketing office. I tell you, every encounter that I had with Susan Weiss was an incredible experience. Uh, She was a huge part of the uh, culture here for this organization, and 55 years is a really long time, especially for uh, an organization that's not even 65 years old. So I I would imagine that she has been here probably more than anybody else in the history of the organization. I think she has been here more than anybody else in the history of the organization. And um, a really nice email went out sent by uh, our president, John Carpino, about Susan. And I thought that was a nice treat uh, to get to read a little bit about that and and some of her background. And, And congratulations to Susan Weiss on 55 years here at Angels Baseball. Hey, go subscribe to this podcast. I know many of you like to go to angels.com slash podcast and you download it, that's awesome. I'm glad that you do that. That's great. A better way to go also, though, you go to iTunes, find Angels Recap with Trent Rush. That's a podcast. You download it. You become a subscriber. You can rate. You can review. You give us some comments. Give us some feedback. Like That that helps us so much. You guys have no idea how important that is. If you can give us a rating and if you can give us a review, that feedback helps tremendously. So if you can do that, I would sincerely appreciate that. I look forward to seeing all of you coming out to Angels Moving Day against Saturday January 26th. It's going to be rocking here at the Big A. We're going to send those trucks off to Tempe. I think by that time, there might even be uh, grass being laid here at Angel Stadium after you get the monster trucks out and we get uh, the Supercross dirt out. You can actually get our playing surface ready for baseball. I'm I'm really excited about what 2019 can be in the future of this Angels organization and what could be a very interesting year. Uh, And really the the first year uh, we're going to get to see the the Billy Epler system kind of make its way up to the major league level and Brad Osmus first year as an Angels manager. It's going to be interesting to watch. A lot going on this year. A lot of interesting storylines and uh, I'm excited to be with you all the way through that. Again, my My name is Trent Rush. Thanks to all of you for being a part of our podcast here, angels.com slash podcast, Halo's Hot Stove, Angels Recap. Go tell all your friends to subscribe as well because you guys know, you listen to this podcast, you know you are not going to find Angels content better than what we have right here. And I'm glad you've made the choice to listen and go tell some others as well. Have a great rest of your day. And hey, we'll see you on the 26th uh, for Angels Moving Day. It's going to be a party here at Angel Stadium. Take care, everybody. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 